Well, good morning. And we are going to study God's Word together from uh, the chapter 2 in Revelation. This writer has a word to the church. It is so uh, apropos. It is so relevant. It is so today. See, I believe all God's Word is a now word. How about you, church? It's not something just for the prophets of old, but it's for us today. And this word, uh, you'll see as we launch into it, the blaze of holiness. Here, I, I want to ask you a thought. I've been thinking about this. Uh, this past week, post-Easter, we got through the celebrations and all the wonderful goodness of the Lord. And I, I'm just curious, how many of you have been thinking about the triune nature of God? That's been like the predominant thought in your mind this week. Okay. How many of you have been thinking about the Old Testament Old Testament? prophecies fulfilled in Christ and how phenomenal that is. How many of you have been thinking about that? Okay, one or two of you. That's good. Well, I'm not doing very good. How many of you have had a sexual thought in the last seven days? <laughs> Y'all were very bold. Last service, nobody raised their hand. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and all the men said, and all the women said, yeah, that's, that's what we thought. Don't worry, man. I won't embarrass you. Okay. Well, here Jesus speaks to the churches uh, in Revelation, and he uh, begins to speak to the church at Thyatira. And he, it's a, it's an insignificant city. It's not the biggest city, but it's probably the busiest city of Asia Minor. There's a lot going on in this uh, community. Matter of fact, there's so much going on. There's trade unions. There's trade guilds. And to be uh, employed, you had to be a member of the union of the guild to to have uh, employment to take care of your family. They they were torn over this, the Christ followers and the pagans. And matter of fact, in Acts 16, there's a woman that we read about, and she dealt in purple cloth, and her name was Lydia. The Bible says that she was from Tharatar. She was there from that union. Matter of fact, as I did some study on this, the cloth really wasn't purple. They said it was really kind of a dark red, but they called it purple. But, but she dealt in fabrics, and, and she had a significant role there in the New Testament church. But I want you to look at the message truth across the top. I want you to fill this in. The church at Tharatar was called to be holy, to confront sin, to avoid its casual attitude, and to continue to continue until Jesus comes again. That was their primary mission that they would uh, get away from this casual attitude about church. Now, let me tell you, if we're not careful, we can get casual about church even on a good day. We're a contemporary church. We change things up a lot. We can still get extremely casual. Matter of fact, it's one of our things. We're a casual environment, casual atmosphere. I started seeing some shorts broken out today. How about that? That was kind of cool. You know, and the flops are coming and, and people wear all kind of a sundry of attire. And I think that's cool to be casual in our attire, in our clothing. But it is not cool to be casual in your approach to a holy God. So we want to look at the, the holiness, the brilliance, the fullness of God himself. Now, even though you haven't contemplated the, the, the Trinity probably or some deep theological revelation, and maybe you have, I think the, the whole thing about sexual purity, I've got to wring this from the church. You see, our, our society is so saturated with sex in the city, ah, da, 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 da. I mean, just everything. It's billboards. It's magazines. It's everywhere you go. You go to the grocery store, 
and I'm grateful. Somebody came up with this thing a few years ago. When you're at the checkout counter, they have these like blinders. Hey, yesterday, I, I had to go over and get something, and it was the coolest thing. There was this blinder sitting over the spring issue of Sports Illustrated because I chose a long time ago. I didn't need to look at Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, and all the women said, and all the men said, are you kidding? It's my favorite issue. I love the articles. Yeah, right, whatever. So we're bombarded by this sexual image in the church in 2010. It was no different at Thyatira. There was a, a sexual culture that was prevalent among the people. Matter of fact, it was so different than anything I've ever seen anywhere in the world that temple prostitutes were common. Could y'all imagine going to one of the big churches in our city or, or in the nation and we go down and we look at their big edifices that sit there that cover blocks and we walk up their marble steps and there'd be prostitutes laid all outside the temple and men and women would go, oh my goodness. But just in that kind of way, in our homes in our viewing, on the internet, whatever, there is such a push for this message to ring and resonate. Now, it has no problem. It'll resonate with the flesh because the flesh doesn't take much to be aroused, does it, church? But the spirit, I've been praying, God, would you raise up the spirit in the men and women of faith? Would you raise up the, the spiritual temperature of the church? I know some of you are going, this is unbelievable. Well, you see, church, I think I need to give you truth here. We need to propagate righteousness in this area of our life. I want you to write in your notes, the adulterous church. That's who Thyatira was. It was an adulterous church into the living Christ. Now, God, Jesus does give them commendation. He brags on them. He, he boasts over them. And in verses 18 through 19, let's just look there in chapter 2. He says this, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, and your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. In other words, he softens up the blow. He says, You have done spectacular. It's like, has anybody ever told you, You did so well on your report card, but... You did so well in the game, nevertheless, but, and when that but comes, what happens? You know somebody's fixing to drop the hammer on you. Or here's what it is. Jesus is going to begin to speak into this because they've been eating food sacrificed to idols. idols. They've been dealing with uh, temple prostitutes. And, and these people have come to know Christ. And they know that not to be right, but to be employed. So they're struggling. To have a job, I have to go against the grain. I have to compromise my faith. So I want you to write at the top here. Problem at Thyatira was the big sex problem. It, it was a huge problem in that culture. And, and I was thinking, man, that is so relevant for today. I mean, I, I'll share with you about things that happened maybe in, around here. But the metal workers here, I want you to look down here. I, I want to try to break it down. He, he talks about eyes that his eyes see, the eyes of Jesus Christ see. I want to give you two passages I want you to write down and maybe meditate on them this week. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 17 says, My eyes are on all their ways, and they are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. See, it's, it's all there before the Lord, and nothing is hidden, even though we might think we hide it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, listen to this writer. 
Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. Everything is laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That means the God of heaven is all watching, all knowing, and he sees and he knows, and it's all laid before him. I brought a dollar in with me. If you have a dollar bill, anybody got a dollar bill? That's about all we got these days, right? Turn up, pull out your dollar. Just pull out your dollar if you got one, if you get to it quickly. Can you do that? Yeah, reach in your purse. Give it to the person on the left. No, no, I mean, just, you're like, man, you just messed up my lunch. Okay, just, just pull it out. I don't want you to give it away. I just want you to look. I want you to turn it over. And on the back of the dollar, it says, in America, we trust. That's what mine says. If I did, it's counterfeit. It says, in God, in Jehovah, we put our trust. Man, we, we violate this currency all the time, don't we, as, as a nation, how we spend the dollars that God entrusts to us. You didn't say, you didn't hear me say the dollars that you own. You own nothing. Everything in the world is the Lord's. It all belongs to him. We manage it. But then I want you to look over on the left side. There's an eye, that all-watching eye of the Lord that he watches over us. He sees the activity of his church. He sees the activity of those far from Christ. And and there's a thought here that judgment should belong and it starts in the house of God. Let's just move down here. The virtues. He tells them way to go. And and then, and he goes to this passage. He's a, he's given a descriptive uh, focus here. He's a divine judge that will bring judgment. But he also says purity and holiness is depicted. Purity and holiness is the way of the Lord. Um, Right now, I'm listening to a CD that uh, one of my friends in here gave me, Faith, the other night at our small group. Faith, I'm really enjoying that. Her dad, her dad's 91, 91, right? 91 years old. And he found out that the pastor likes to study and listen to stuff. So he sent me a couple old CDs. He sent me one about the Asbury Revival, which I'm familiar with, but it's really interesting hearing it from this vantage point. But God sees everything god knows and god has always been concerned about his people being holy whether they're high schoolers middle schoolers collegians young adults older adults god wants holiness in the church and somehow we don't preach that enough in the church of jesus christ people are like well you know i just want everybody to feel good and all that verse 18 and 19 the commendation he begins to break down he, he says to the angel if you write out draw an error from angel angel refers to the pastor that speaks over the church he speaks into the life of the church and he, and he so he admonishes them and then he talks about the son of god he talks about the deity of Christ. He elevates Christ. He stresses that Christ is Lord. And then he says that all eyes and all melts before him. Have you been in the presence of God lately? And everything just seemed to sober you up. You just seemed to melt. I have to admit, I'm, I'm not in that kind of presence of God enough. But those moments when you just get with him and he strips your heart and he uh, he reveals the things that are hurtful or to him or things that are not making you like Christ. And yet, when he ministers into your spirit, isn't it a wonderful thing to be in the presence of the Lord? That's what worship was intended today, was a corporative experience to bring hundreds of people on the campus into the presence of God today. Somehow to encounter, to embrace, to experience the risen Christ post-resurrection Sunday. It's not enough to have an Easter experience. It's a daily walk. You heard Lauren testify. What a great witness about the world behind me 
the cross before me. I will go, though none will follow. And now a decade later, some, some activity of the Spirit. Wow, God, do more of that. But the angel, and here's what we ought to be. We ought to be reflections of God. We ought to just be reflectors of Jesus Christ as we become pure. It's like, let me give it to you this way. Here it is, a beautiful, shiny apple. Doesn't that look good? I mean, you know, you like apples. Some of you do, some of you don't. But an apple, and on the, on the outside, this apple just has all the, the, the makings of something beautiful. And it's like been polished, and it's really clean. I just spit on it. And uh, so, but, but, but it's a pretty apple on the outside. But what you don't know is, right here, I've got one of the gnarliest, nasty worms I'm fixing to pull out and show you. Ugh, I really don't have one. But this looks fine on the outside. But on the inside, have you ever eaten into a piece of fruit and it be rotten and grotesque on the inside? And you quickly disposed of it. Here's the danger. The church of the living Christ can look really nice on the outside. It can have trappings and buildings and bells and chimes and steeples and grass cut and shrubs nice and all these things. But on the inside, it can be devoid of life of the Spirit. One of the writers in Revelation says about the lampstand, Lord, please do not take your lampstand from your church. And the body said, that's the word. God, may your church, the gathered church, the collective church, the body of Christ be full of your glory. But let's move through this because in verses 20 through 23, listen to what he says. He says, nevertheless, nevertheless, like, but, but here it is. I have something against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Let me stop there. I've been thinking about this. I go to the hospital a lot over the last 28 years. And one year we had 21 babies. Those are the most babies we ever had. And honestly, we're not having near as many babies. So somebody think about the positive side of what I'm talking about today. Okay. But anyway, so we're not having as many. But you go. And I've never had a woman, and I've seen so many women, and you go to the hospital, and they've never said, Pastor, I want you to meet Jezebel. Not, Not once. I've never met any woman that's named their daughter Jezebel for a good reason. But I've also gone to the hospital and, and seen, and they, they show me their son and go, I want you to meet Judas. Nobody names their son or their daughter Judas or Jezebel. Jezebel was a wicked prophetess called by herself, not by Jesus. She was so scared. She was married to King Ahab. She brought pagan worship into that kingdom she was let me tell you how bad she was there was a man in the old testament a prophet he was a powerful man of god and this man was so powerful that he prayed one time and the rain stopped and he prayed again and the rain came and his name was elijah the bible says elijah was scared of jezebel and he ran so when a jezebel spirit comes there's a jezebel spirit flee i started to study about 12 years ago learning about the jezebel spirit and i've dealt with the jezebel spirit some it's very demonic it's very wicked i don't want you to go man do we have one no no but i'm saying but you ask the holy spirit to help you discern if it's a jezebel spirit rising up see i don't think this is the if you go to first kings you read all about jezebel and the prophets of baal but here i think it's metaphorically it's the it's the spirit of jezebel upon the church of fire retire Jezebel's spirit, a, a seducing, adulterous spirit on the church of Jesus Christ. Now, that same spirit, I hate to say, is, is common to Western world. It's common to the church if, if we're not careful. Also, she propagated false doctrine 
She wanted people to follow her ways. It was the popular seeking church, if you will. It wasn't the God church. It wasn't the church. Heresy followed after Jezebel. And then there was a dualistic approach in that day that they thought that that spirit was all that mattered and then the, the flesh that God really wasn't concerned about the body. It would be like this. Let's say I go down to Dave. And, and I just go, Dave, wham! And I take Dave out. And blood just runs out of Dave's mouth. And, and Teresa, Pastor, what? You hit him. And then I go, but bless you, Dave. May the Spirit be with you. And I walk back to the stage. Because all I'm concerned about is the Spirit. I'm sorry about his body got rearranged. Now, you're saying, that is an ideology that is ridiculous. That was the dualistic approach in that day. That body and spirit could be separated. We are one church. Would you agree with me, church? And, and God wants us to do things in our body that please him as well as our spirit. I'll prove it biblically today from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. It, 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 it parallels with Revelation chapter 2. And, and we'll go and we'll, we'll see this tremendous truth because there's internal corruption happening in the church. Satan's agent was uh, Jezebel. So as you look at this, I want you to see this. Tolerance of her teaching. Uh, she, like I said, she had propagated these wicked truths. And, and as you look at the, I want you to write this down on your notes quickly. The problem at Thyatira was there was a big sex problem. The next blank is do not compromise. When there's a Jezebel spirit present, there is always a temptation to compromise because it is a seducing spirit. It, it, it is a wicked from the pit kind of thing. I, I just want to ask you something real quickly. How serious do you think God is about sexual sin? Okay. How serious is God about sexual sin? Very serious. Now, if you will turn over, I know you got your finger right there. You're like, man, pastor, I put my notes in uh, Revelation. Now you got me at 1 Corinthians. I want you to turn to 1 Keith chapter 3, verse 2. I want you to read this with me. Turn it on. All Christ community members, you know the Bibles I gave you membership. Let's turn to 1 Keith. I would run like rip. That is a heresy, okay? There's not a 1 Keith. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, 1 Keith, I, I never read that one. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. But this is the kind of ideology that comes out. First, Keith would say there's a hierarchy of sins. Now, we get on, I don't know where we got this thought, big sins and little sins, and that's not as bad. My Bible says Christ died once and for all, for all sin. Sin keeps you separated from a holy God, and the body of believers said, amen. So, sin is sin, but we will go, we'll, we'll categorically identify it. Sexual sin is a lot different than gossip, and gossip is definitely different than murder. And we'll get all in this thing, but there's not a hierarchy, man. Sin separates, it, it breaks fellowship with him. But as you look here in verse 21, he says, she is unwilling, to, she's cast on her bed of suffering. She's, she's had these acts on a bed, now she's going to be punished on her bed. It, it's an amazing, have you ever heard this analogy? You've made your bed, now live in it, lie in it. It really came from here. Jezebel, the spirit, was just so uh, dominant. But in verse 23, chapter 2, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to 1 Corinthians 6. Don't worry. There's a, a stern warning because there's a sexual sin that he's concerned about. Does anybody today believe that God can forgive sexual sin just like he can murder? Absolutely he can. His grace is amazing. His grace is overwhelming. But I speak about this today because God chastens and he knows that sexual sin 
is, uh, has the greater capacity to destroy the soul. It has the, the capacity to destroy relationships, unions, fellowships, uh, offices, churches. It, it's just rampant. Because emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, sexual sin wrecks. And God, let me say it this way. If you would follow me sometime over the course of a year, you would see multiple people that would come in and they would begin to talk about this particular sin. Nobody's ever come into my office and says, Pastor, I want you to know, I had a second piece of chocolate cake and it is just wrecking my soul. Nobody ever says that. Or nobody comes to my office and goes, I cussed yesterday out loud and, 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 and this profanity is wrecking me. Nobody does that. But all the time, is this not right, Dr. Trent? All the time, people that are sexually violating the covenant of holy God, they'll go, this is ripping my guts out. It's hurting. I don't know if I can be forgiven. I don't know if I can get grace. I don't know if I can overcome. And today we sing about we overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. That's a great place for an amen. You're saying, man, this is, this, you, you're going to love this this week. And, and I had this guy call and, and he yelled at me. He goes, hey, you're no Joel Osteen. And my staff said, amen. And, and, and I'm not here to judge Joel because I think he's doing some good things. But, the, but, but there's some other things I'm concerned about. But the bottom line is, here's why I said it. You, you got to just call sin, sin. I got to tell you the truth, church. And somebody like, I'm just so uncomfortable with you talking about this. But you'll go home and watch HBO or you'll watch movies or you'll see perversion or you'll do things that is not going to edify the spirit, man. So I am passionate about this message because I want to see the church get pure. I want to see men and women get pure. You're going to see the response today. It'll be amazing where I think God will take us. Because culture says sexual activity outside of marriage, that's just the way we do. And that's not what God says. He's so clear about not jumping into someone else's bed or, or being crazy, sex crazy. He says, sex is God's gift to union. Sex is God's gift to marriage. Why? This is one of the reasons couples smile so big when I say their vows to one another. They are so excited, but we'll, we'll go on. Okay, here. So we live in tune with the plan of God. Write it down. Living in tune with the plan is to be in marriage covenant, honoring Jesus Christ and honoring your mate. Let's look at point one quickly. Scripture says your body is with you forever. You know, we think, well, I die and you do die, but you live eternally and you either are separated, you're in heaven or hell. And this whole body thing, look at point two. When you commit sexual sin, you force Jesus to share in sexual immorality. See, that sexual sin is just not about you. It's about you and your body. And it's about the person you sinned against and about the fellowship and the relationships. And, and you're saying, well, it connects me with a neighbor. It connects me with a hottie at high school, or it connects me with whatever. It just is. It just brings damage to the body of Christ. It's so so serious. It, it hurts the family of God. It hurts your family. It hurts your life. The third point is sexual sin takes a tough toll on your body. STDs are rampant more than ever. Abortion, unwanted pregnancies, the list goes on and on. Sexual sin is not just about you. It's about community. It's about sinning against others. It brings havoc. And you somehow you can know theologically in your head we can compartmentalize, but somehow we get separated in our heart. My day today, my prayer today is not for you to be condemned. My prayer is for you to get challenged, to get convicted, and to get changed by the Spirit of the living Christ. 
Oh God, shake us off. Four things. Sexual sin defies the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and, and, and you see the whole thing, he begins to, and I can't read it for sake of time, there's this beautiful passage about, don't you know that your body, your bodies belong to God, that your body is the temple of God, you have been bought with a price, and he just begins about, hey, flee from sexual immorality, do it God's way, go for him, your, your body is the dwelling place of Jehovah, oh God, thank you for that, it would be like, I know this is a little gross, but I want you to see this, this there we go. This forbidden, forbidden encounter, it was like if we had a sexual act here on this stage, on this altar, you'd go, oh, gross, wicked, no way, man, in the house of God. But let me tell you, it is no different before the holy God whether you're in a hotel room, an apartment, a car, a couch, or wherever. When you sin before the God of heaven, it is, it is, it is sin. Christ died for that church. Amen. I'm sharing this with passion because I want our church to be overcomers. I'm not going to preach this message. I'm like, man, when are you going to talk about sex again? I can't wait. The most popular men's group we've ever had, I preached on sex one night. And something's wrong with us. No. But what I'm saying is, it's nothing wrong with us. But the thing is, God, we want to celebrate the holiness of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Man, this is, oh, God, help us see that you, and look at this fifth, bodies belong to God. You have bought with price. You've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Oh, God, help us to bind what you say. The message key, I want you to fill this box in. Remove yourself from temptation and pursue holiness. We know, don't we, women? I didn't just say men. We know, don't we, men? We know, don't we, body of Christ? When we know that we need to maintain sexual purity, we need to avoid Jezebel's spirits, and we know when we go amok, you play with fire, you get burned. And it's like, I want to give you some practical things. And you know this, but let me remind you. There are certain cable channels you just know you need to avoid. Filter them out. Blot them out. Don't bring them into your home. Do something. Just don't go there. The Internet. The Internet is a wonderful thing that we use for the purposes of the king. At the same time, the devil has found a foothold. So get filters, get accountability, get something. Begin to say, hey, you're in a relationship with a girl, with a guy. You know there's sexual pressure there. Maybe you need to break it off because you know you can't hold up to the standard. Here's one. Maybe you're in a relationship and you need to couple, you need to double date, you need to date in groups. You cannot handle the pressure. You're saying, God, I want to be pure. I want to be careful. Uh, here, here's one. Choose to avoid coarse, suggestive joking talking you you know when you've been in, in a conversation and the conversation went south you know it wasn't honoring to christ i just say hey i don't need to be a part of that don't listen to this man listen do not flatter the opposite sex be very careful about flattering somebody that's not your mate and all the women said y'all had no and the men are like crud no 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 guys i'm trying to help us here the other day i was in a restaurant true story Quiznos. I don't just eat at Sam. I mean at uh, uh, Costco. And yeah, whatever that place is. And I was in there that day. And I know I'm just getting my drink. Okay, Donna and I go every single Friday. But her mom was in the hospital. She was taking care of her. So I was by myself. And the guy knows me. And all I know is this woman walks up to me, and she starts talking. And she, and I don't know. And she says, "I just got my hair cut." Now what am I supposed to do? I mean, she was a nice-looking woman. I'm not going to lie to you. I told Donna this. Donna's not being surprised. And I'm standing there. She goes, 
I can't go home. It, it was down to here, and now it's here. I cut it all off. And I'm just standing there. And Donna says, did you tell her she looked nice? I said, no. I, I just did, I didn't. Need, I mean, it was really awkward. I know you're going, well, I just told her, hey, babe, you look good. No, no, man. I was trying to maintain purity. Do you know what I'm saying? You say, man, he's a fool. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to hang in there. I got one. I want, I want to die with her. I want to live with her. I want to please her. I want you to please the one you're with. And the church said, you're like, well, no, I want to be flirtatious. No, you just want to be stupid. Okay, that's in the Greek. Here, let's go. On. The, the Greek would say keep a long distance from temptation. But you know what we do in the Western church? We try to see how close we can get to see it. Oh, I'm so close, baby. You're fixing to fall off. That's all rampant. I've got pastor friends all over the country that are not in ministry today. Because of sexual sin. There's a pastor just north of here lost his whole church because of having an affair. And you're saying, well, you think you're above it? No, let's be the grace of God. I'm one step away from being dumb too, just to so you. I hope you'll listen to this message over and over. Oh God, I want us to have a pure body. I don't want us to be rotten from the inside. And here it is, verse 24 and 25. Cleave to an overcomer's attitude. He says, now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold on to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on, circle it, hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on means, overcome means steadfast obedience. We're overcomers. Oh God, I pray that Christ Community Fellowship that people would overcome and they would honor one another and they would bless and they would, they, they would do all things through Christ who strengthens them and they would have grace in their life and grace in their relationships. Oh God, give us grace today. The church here though, they bought into the Jezebel spirit. She seduced them. And I pray that our church will rise up and be more. Two promises given. We're given authority over the nations. We conquer, we overcome we reign with Jesus Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ to rule and reign the nations. Oh, wow. I don't totally understand all that, and that's a whole other study. But the second thing is this. We are given the morning star. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen. write it down. It says it again. Matter of fact, let's turn there quickly. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root the offering spring of David, the bright morning star. Jesus calls himself the morning star. Amen. So Christ says, I, want, I have given them, here in Revelation, back up to 2, he says, I've given them the time to repent, but they would have none of it. My prayer is today, if we're in sin, we would repent and have all that Christ has for us. And if we're at a good place, we would continue to be confident in the grace that God provides, and we would embrace, and we would walk forward in him. Now, right now, I want to do something a little different with you. I want you to close your eyes. I want to turn the lights down a little bit lower if you can, guys. And I want you to respond to this message at some point that resonates in your spirit, man. Uh, there could be, uh, at, at the crosses, there could be elders there to receive, to pray for you over your uh, sin, over brokenness, over issues. I don't know. But I'm going to ask you to respond at different points. If something that I say resonates in you, stand in affirmation. Here's the first one. Stand as an act of faith. That you are trusting in the one that protects you and helps you overcome and helps you be steadfast. Just stand across the room if that fits you. Secondly, 
I hope young people will do this. Stand if you are a virgin. You are keeping yourself into the marriage bed. You're not defiling yourself. You want to be pure and holy and blameless and honor your partner on that day. And right now, I pray young people all around the room would stand up and they could say, I am a virgin by the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen, students. Third, stand if you're willing to support one today that you know is struggling in this room, in this fellowship, in your circle of life. Would you stand for ones you know are struggling today? And you're, as an act of standing, you're saying, I stand in the gap for them that they can be pure. The fourth one is you stand as an act of rejoicing that he alone is able to extend grace. He is the one that is worthy. Well, I've tried to preach my heart out. I, I hope... I just want you to open your eyes and just look. A lot of people standing around the room, standing at different points of commitment. Lord God, may your church stand until you come again. Give us grace. Have mercy on us. In the wonderful name of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died, buried, raised, and rules on the throne in the line of Judah forever and ever. May he rule upon the throne of every heart here today. In faith, in Jesus' name, amen.